This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Today is Monday, September 7th, 2020. On this day in 1989, a pair of bandits shot two security guards and one onlooker while robbing a Brinks truck in San Francisco. The thieves made a clean getaway in what was either a brilliant scheme or a tragic mistake. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today we're covering a dramatic and puzzling armored truck robbery that took place in San Francisco's bustling financial district. Let's go back to September 7, 1989, at the corner of California and Pine Street, just before 10 o'clock in the morning. The morning started out like any other day on the job for Brink's security guards, Joseph Ariola and Clifford Spencer. As part of their delivery schedule, they dropped off $5,500 worth of Canadian currency at the Bank of America in San Francisco's bustling financial district. Then they headed back to their armored truck, walking through the busy concourse that connected the branch to the bank's high-rise headquarters at 555 California Street. Along the way, 53-year-old Joseph waved and said hello to shop owners and security guards in the Grand Concourse. He'd been on the job for nearly four years and was familiar with the route. On the other hand, 24-year-old Clifford was a bit of a rookie. He had only been on the job for a few months. As Joseph and Clifford walked, two other men entered the concourse from the opposite direction. They looked to be in their late 20s or early 30s, with muscular builds, wearing blue jackets, jeans, and white baseball caps. The duo walked with purpose, keeping their heads down. Whatever they were up to, it seemed that they wanted to fly under the radar. The Brinks guards crossed paths with the mystery men near the entrance to the Bank of America branch, and suddenly their routine day became anything but routine. Without warning, the muscle men pulled out guns and shot both Joseph and Clifford at point-blank range. Clifford was shot in the left side of his face. The bullet ricocheted off his skull and lodged in his upper spine. Joseph was hit in the face and back of the head. Both guards crumpled to the ground, and the gunmen fired at each of them again. Then they grabbed a bag from the guards, which is thought to have contained certified mail and possibly traveler's checks. All of this happened just outside the view of a surveillance camera that faced the bank's lobby. However, Robert G., a 57-year-old landscaper for the bank, was working nearby and saw what happened. 
Robert rushed over and tried to help Joseph and Clifford, but he paid dearly for his act of kindness. One of the gunmen turned on Robert and fired, hitting him in the jaw. Blood and teeth spilled out of Robert's mouth. Despite his grievous injury, he was able to call out to a nearby shop owner for help. Tragically, it was already too late for Joseph Ariola, who lay dying on the pavement. Even at that point, it was unclear what exactly the gunmen were trying to accomplish. Robbery seemed like the most logical objective, except for the fact that the Brinks guards had already made their drop-off and weren't carrying any cash on them. However, a witness later told investigators that the gunmen gave each other a high five before they fled. That celebration suggested they felt they accomplished whatever their goal was. All that remained was for the robbers to make their getaway, which they did with ingenious flair. They hopped on two blue 10-speed bicycles and pedaled away, disappearing into a rush of traffic and bike messengers on California Street. The bandits left three men broken and bleeding in their wake, and quite the mystery for law enforcement to unravel. Up next, authorities work to solve the baffling case of the Brinks robbery. Hi, listeners. Here's a series I think you're really going to like. We all know that medical professionals are trained to give exceptional care. But what about those who use their skills not to heal, but hurt? In the new podcast series, Medical Murders, you'll discover a disturbing diagnosis that not every doctor wants to extend your life. Every Wednesday, Medical Murders introduces you to the worst the medical community has to offer. Men and women who took an oath to save lives, but instead used their expertise to develop more sinister specialties. Join host Alastair Murden as he examines the formative years and motives of history's most infamous killers. Dissecting their medical backgrounds with expert analysis and professional insight provided by practicing MD, Dr. David Kipper. You'll investigate a wide range of heinous healthcare workers, like the general practitioner believed to be the most prolific serial killer in modern history, or the dentist who led a double life as a hitman, or even the doctor and gang member who mixed deadly potions for unhappy housewives to use on their husbands. When it comes to these true crime stories, the only thing the doctor ordered is murder. Follow Medical Murders free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now, back to the story. On September 7th, 1989, Two armed robbers shot Brink's security guards Joseph Ariola and Clifford Spencer outside of a Bank of America. 
When an onlooker, Robert G., attempted to help the fallen guards, the gunman fired at him as well, before making a clean getaway on 10-speed bicycles. All three gunshot victims were taken to San Francisco General Hospital. 24-year-old Clifford went into surgery to remove a bullet that had lodged in his upper spine, causing partial paralysis. Clifford later recovered from his wounds, as did Robert G., who suffered a lacerated tongue and fractured teeth. However, 53-year-old Joseph Ariola was not as fortunate. He was pronounced dead on arrival. Joseph was survived by his wife, Louisa, and their six children. A memorial fund to support his family was set up by Brinks and Bank of America. The two companies also put up a combined reward of $125,000 for information leading to the arrest and conviction of the two gunmen, who had vanished in broad daylight. The authorities wasted no time trying to hunt down Joseph's murderers. A team of around a dozen investigators was assigned to the case, including San Francisco police officers and FBI agents. Law enforcement cast a wide net for their mystery men, putting out all-points bulletins across California and placing FBI offices nationwide on alert about the crime. Just a few hours after the shooting and robbery, investigators discovered their first clue. The 10-speed bicycles which the bandits used to escape were found in an alley several blocks from the crime scene. However, the bikes didn't yield much evidence. The serial numbers had been filed off, which made it difficult to determine where they'd been purchased, and the handlebars were covered in tape, which made it harder to pull fingerprints. At this point, the authorities admitted that the bandits had given their holdup a lot of thought. Deputy Chief Larry Gurnett of the San Francisco Police Department said, it looks like a well-planned, well-orchestrated robbery. In some respects, this was true. After all, the robbers had managed to get in and out without getting caught. But in other ways, the crime was completely mystifying. For example, for all of their planning, it didn't seem like the thieves made off with much of a haul. Police spokesman Dave Ambrose asserted that the bandits only ended up with some certified mail. FBI spokesman Chuck Ladding added that if robbery was the motive, then someone made a grave mistake. Another strange point was that the gunmen ambushed the Brinks employees themselves and not the armored truck, which would have made more sense as a target. Even stranger was the fact that the robbery happened after the Brinks guards dropped off the cash at Bank of America. One source close to the investigation said, this case is like a mystery novel. These peculiarities led to early speculation that the gunmen's primary motive was to murder Joseph Ariola. In that case, their celebratory high five, while undoubtedly callous, made more sense. Alternatively, investigators theorized that the attack was a dress rehearsal to rob a different truck. At least one amateur sleuth posited that the thieves made off with millions of dollars in untraceable bearer bonds. 
In December of 1989, over three months after the daylight robbery, another, more realistic theory emerged. San Francisco police suggested that the bandits mistakenly attacked the wrong Brinks delivery truck altogether. There was a different armored vehicle scheduled to deliver half a million dollars in cash to Bank of America around the same time on that fateful morning. However, the truck was delayed due to heavy traffic. Police and FBI agents continued looking into the baffling case, but didn't make much progress. The robber's trail went cold after finding the getaway bikes. Authorities received around 40 tips shortly after the crime occurred, but none of these generated real leads. Police Lieutenant Gerald McCarthy said, Somebody out there knows who did it. Someone has to call. That's how we're going to solve this. But unfortunately, no one called, and the case remained unsolved. As of today, nobody knows who they were or why they did it. Maybe it was murder. Maybe it was a mistimed heist. But whatever their motivation was, they were smart enough to not try it again. Yet. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free, from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Joshua Kern. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Nani Okwalagu, with writing assistance by Nora Battelle. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Killer nurses, deranged doctors, mad scientists. Don't forget to check out the new ParCast original series, Medical Murders. Every Wednesday, meet the worst the medical community has to offer. Men and women who took an oath to save lives, but instead use their expertise to develop more sinister specialties. Follow Medical Murders free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.